Welcome to the Basana Health and Wellness Podcast. At Basana Health, we focus on whole body wellness, connecting physical, spiritual, and mental well-being. We are wellness collaborators with our members, and we embrace our community partnerships. Basana Health promotes holistic and functional care while focusing on transformative lifestyle changes. Welcome to our podcast, where you can take a virtual step towards optimizing your own health and wellness. Welcome to Basana Health and Wellness Podcast, episode number 31. Today we hear from our physician associate, Susan Eichhorst, who tells us about low-dose naltrexone. Could this be the next wonder drug? Listen in and find out for yourself. Learn more about low-dose naltrexone. Hello, I am Susan Eichhorst. I am a physician assistant here at Basana Health and Wellness. And today in our webinar series, I would like to talk to you about a medication that I find very interesting, very fascinating, and very much underutilized or understood. It is called low-dose naltrexone. And I'm going to present, hey, is this a wonder drug? I'm going to let you make some decisions as we move along. Low-dose naltrexone, or also known as LDN, is a medication that has been found to be very effective for numerous autoimmune conditions, such as multiple sclerosis, Crohn's disease, irritable bowel syndrome, Hashimoto's, thyroiditis, rheumatoid arthritis, just a plethora of different autoimmune conditions have been helped with adding low-dose naltrexone to their protocol. LDN has also been effective in helping some patients overcome their peripheral neuropathy and fibromyalgia. It has been beneficial in helping women get pregnant that have had numerous miscarriages or endorphin deficiency. It's used in psychiatry for major depressive disorder, post-traumatic stress disorder, and traumatic brain injuries. The cancer arena has seen some positive results with LDN for throat cancer, ovarian cancer, and different brain cancers. And we've also got some evidence that low-dose naltrexone has been very helpful for helping autism patients as well. So maybe, probably, yes, this probably could be a, a wonder drug for many people. Before we get into low-dose naltrexone, I think it's very helpful to understand what naltrexone is. Naltrexone is a medication that is actually an opioid antagonist. It acts against opioids working in the body. So it blocks the receptor that the opioid or the narcotic sits in in the cell. And this also encompasses our own endorphins and enkephalins, which are natural opioids. So they can't fit in that cell either to relieve pain or elicit the effect that we're looking for in the cell. So first we'll talk about endorphins and enkephalins now that we've brought that up. As I mentioned, these are our natural painkillers that our own body releases in response to injuries. It acts as positive reinforcement. So when we do injure ourselves, like I did yesterday by jamming my toe into a, a cabinet, that impulse runs up your spinal cord into your brain. These endorphins and enkephalins are released and they help to reduce inflammation and that pain over time. Endorphins and enkephalins also are part of our reward system. They reward us for doing healthy behaviors, such as exercising. We get a surge of endorphins that does help us to feel better. We get a reward from that we are inclined to do that again. This happens when we have intimacy and have sex. It happens when we eat, even though in much of America today we eat poor nutritional foods, we still get a reward from that and that reinforces doing that again. And then risk-taking also goes into that because if we didn't get some kind of a good positive reward, we would not venture out and do new activities that may benefit ourselves. 
endorphins and enkephalins, they just make us feel good. They reduce our stress. They reduce depression. They increase when there's an injury and this promotes repair and restoration. Enkephalins and endorphins have also been found to be immune modulators. This means they actually influence the function of the immune system when they're released. So here's a little caricature of um, cartoon of a neuron or a nerve fiber. This is a nerve cell that has these little receptors on them. That's where the opioid can fit. That's why when you take a narcotic, it down regulates the pain and the sensation at the nerves. This is where our own natural endorphins and enkephalins fit as well and to achieve the same outcome. Here's a little better picture of how these receptors actually look within the cell membrane. So brain cell, the receptor goes from the outside to the inside of the cell. As you can see, natural endorphins or morphine, also other narcotics fit into that receptor site and elicit some kind of a response through the, the cell itself. In naltraxone, and in here, this case is, is a medication called Vivitrol. This is actually an injectable form of, of naltraxone, that naltraxone molecule fits in the receptor nice and tight. Now that receptor is blocked, so the opioid cannot work to elicit that response. It's now blocked. So why would we even want this? When we talk again about regular naltraxone, this is a compound that was developed back in 1963. It was actually developed as an opioid receptor blocker. And the reason we wanted this is because this can be beneficial in blocking the response of a narcotic to the patient and removing that pleasure aspect to it. So in 1984, the FDA approved the use of naltraxone in 50 to 150 milligram doses for opioid abuse. 10 years later, the FDA approved the use of naltraxone for alcohol abuse. That's typically a 50 milligram dose. And in 2014, so 20 years later, it was then approved to be used as a weight loss product along with the antidepressant Wellbutrin or bupropion. And this it was used to block these receptors and in an attempt to reduce cravings. So low-dose naltraxone is what we'll concentrate on today. This is actually very different than naltraxone. It is much lower doses, typically 1.5 to 4.5 milligrams. And then we also use it in ultra-low doses as well. So that's less than 1.5 milligrams. Getting back to regular naltraxone for a minute, because this is what most practitioners and even some patients are most familiar with. So if they do see that you're on something called low-dose naltraxone, they may assume that this is why we're taking it. It is very different. So again, regular naltraxone or these 50 to 150 and actually off-label up to 300 milligram doses come in some brand names. Revia and Depade are both daily oral forms of naltraxone. These are either taken on a regular basis, but they can also be used as needed in the case of alcohol abuse. We'll talk more about that in a moment. Vivitrol, as I mentioned earlier, this is actually a monthly injection and is used for deterrent for opioid use. Naltrexone is introduced after the patient has come clean and has fully weaned off of their narcotic. This will then help them to reduce the urge to go back to utilize drugs or alcohol. 50 to 300 milligrams are typical doses, and this would then present with a total or sustained blockade of these opioid receptors. So the drug and even your natural endorphins are not able to access that, that cell. When that happens, these endorphins and enkephalins are not able to elicit this pleasure response. And there is no pleasure from taking in these drugs that used to result in some kind of a euphoria. There's a very effective 
alcohol withdrawal program called the Sinclair Method for Alcohol Abuse. And this is roughly 78% effective for patients. They use 50 milligrams of naltrexone as a typical dose. It is not uncommon to take this one hour prior to consuming alcohol. And again, it blocks the sensation of euphoria and pleasure from alcohol. And over time, this association of pleasure with drinking starts to shift. Patient actually starts to remove this addiction and the addiction goes through what's called a pharmacological extinction, meaning the And in this case, with the Sinclair method, you actually do need to continue to drink for a while because it then has that association. Hey, I have this alcoholic drink. I really am not getting the buzz that I would have expected. Somehow that is not very important. This just doesn't matter. And in time, we stop drinking. And then lastly, this naltrexone used for weight loss, that is the brand name Contrave. That is an eight milligram dose twice a day. So a total of 16 milligrams through the day, along with a total of 360 milligrams of Wellbutrin or Bupropion. And again, this blocks these receptors from having the endorphins get into the cell and create this release of endorphins that make us feel so good with eating. And over time, that results in reduced cravings for those foods. They've also started to use naltrexone in a medication, a pain medication itself, something called Troxica. This has got a core of naltrexone with a shell of oxycodone around it. A patient that is on chronic pain medications will take this medication orally. The oxycodone gets dissolved. The naltrexone core goes through the whole gut until it is finally disposed of. But what happens here is if this pill is crushed and diluted down with water for either snorting, for injecting, or just used crushed up for snorting, now you've got naltrexone on board and it will counteract the effect of the oxycodone. So it's really to discourage sell these medications on the street. Naltrexone in these higher doses, 50 to 150 or even 300 milligrams, the most common side effect with these is nausea. About 10% of patients will complain of nausea. Headache is right up there. Some neurological changes, some dizziness, nervousness, fatigue. Insomnia is down at 3%, anxiety 2%, um, even a little bit of somnolence, just making you feel tired. And I just wanted to present these because we'll talk about the side effects of low-dose naltrexone in a minute. These differences between naltrexone and low-dose naltrexone, or LDN, really are quite starkly different. As I mentioned, 50 to 150 milligrams daily for naltrexone versus 1.5 or 4.5 milligrams at bedtime. This is a big difference because when you're using naltrexone in these higher doses during the day, that's actually blocking all these endorphin receptors while you're awake. So you may have a little more of a blunting of your emotions and just not feeling the same effects from what endorphins usually are released from exercise, sex, you know, this, this feeling of feeling good from these that might not be as effective with naltrexone on board. But with LDN, we actually take this at bedtime. This is a very low dose, so it does not block all of these receptors at once. But when it does block these receptors and this endorphin can't get in, it then it's blocking it while we sleep. And then when this medication wears off, now the body is making more endorphins and receptors to take those endorphins in, in response to this lack of having the endorphins fit. So very different outcome. A little background history with LDN back in 1985, so 20 year plus years after it was actually developed, researchers started to notice that endorphins actually had 
another function and that they act as immunomodulators. This means that they affect the function of the immune system. That same year, Dr. Bernard Bahari, who was a neurologist in New York, started to see immune res- positive immune responses in his HIV and AIDS patients. In the early 80s, there was not a lot to offer HIV and AIDS patients, and he was really dismayed to see so many of his patients succumb to community-acquired pneumonia, the Carposi sarcoma, just the opportunistic infections that were hitting our HIV and AIDS populations. What he had learned about immunomodulation, he's like, well, let's give this a try. So he started with consent, using low-dose naltrexone in his HIV and AIDS patients, and did notice quite a difference in their contracting the community-acquired infections that many other patients were dealing with. Around the same time, he also had a neighbor with multiple sclerosis, and during their discussions, she had asked, hey, do you think this might be something that would help me because I actually have an immune issue with my multiple sclerosis. And so she started on this and had a very positive effect. And that took Dr. Bahari into a whole different realm of using this medication for autoimmunity as well. Right around that same time in 1985, Dr. Ian Zagon started his research into opioid receptors, how the endorphins and enkephalins fit in those receptors. And with respect to a couple of compounds called opioid growth factors and like receptors. This affects cancer cell growth. And so Dr. Zagon started using this in his cancer patients with good success back in 1985. Jump forward to 2004 and the LDN Research Trust was founded by a, a woman named Linda Elzegood. She is a Brit who had developed multiple sclerosis herself, was pretty much in a wheelchair, not working, trying to raise her two girls and just was really dissatisfied. She was in the UK. She had, through somehow researching, had found out about the work of Dr. Bahari. She found a neurologist in New York to get her started on LDN and saw a very quick improvement in her symptoms within just a couple of weeks. She had also been introduced to how to eat more appropriately for autoimmune conditions. She removed gluten. She removed dairy. And within a very short period of time, she developed the LDN Research Trust so she could get word out of her progress and benefits and to help educate more people about this amazing medication that helped her so much. The LDN Research Trust continues today. And in 2013, they had their first LDN Research Trust conference. This continues to be ongoing 10 years later through Zoom meetings, but also in person. And there is lots of ongoing research, learning, training that continues with low-dose naltrexone as we learn even more. I hate to press it, but I just want this to come home to people. This is a very low dose of this medication. 1.5 to 4.5 milligrams are the typical doses that most people will take with this medication for their condition. It blocks the receptor uptake of these endorphins and enkephalins. And then when the medication wears off, we make more of these endorphins and enkephalins. They're released to compensate for this lack of them. And that makes more receptors for them to be more receptive too. And that is how the immune system heals. So really LDN has two actions. It helps to tolerate self as an autoimmunity and it reduces inflammation where it is so helpful for neurological conditions, cancer growth, and pain. So let's talk about LDN in our immune system. 
So LDN happens to turn on something called the T regulatory cell. And these T reg cells help to regulate the immune system. So once that happens, we start to recognize that the immune system is not just protecting us from outside viruses, parasites, bacteria, but it is helping us to tolerate ourselves so that we are not making antibodies against ourselves. And that's because of these T regulatory cells. LDN has also been shown to block glial cells and specifically the microglial cells. These are actually immune cells in our brain and our spinal cord. And when they become inflamed, that is what results in unstable mood, can contribute to PTSD, depression, insomnia, cognitive dysfunction. And that helps in reducing our pain, stabilizing and improving the mood, improving sleep and cognition. LDN, our immune system in cancer, here LDN blocks these toll-like receptor cells. Toll-like receptor cells, when they're stimulated, help to cause inflammatory chemicals that stimulate cancer growth and metastasis. So with LDN blocking these toll-like receptor cells, that inhibits this inflammatory response and helps to mitigate the growth of cancer cell and decrease the chance that it can metastasize. LDN also blocks these opioid growth factor cells, and they in turn also, opioid growth factor cells actually increase the division and growth of the tumor. So when they are blocked, that inhibits this division and growth of the tumor. So between these two events of LDN, then we can reduce the growth of a cancer cell and cancer itself. I didn't have easy access to any human tumors, but I had this in my file already. This is a pup and we all love them. This guy has this pretty large tumor over on his right side. You can barely see that he has a discrete ear back there. Really was just given about a month to live because of um, the fact that this tumor was wrapped around his vocal cord as well in his larynx. So patients, somehow they got introduced to low-dose naltrexone and here of only 43 days, you can see a marked decrease in this guy's tumor. You can actually see he has a formed ear back there. This is a good indication of how LDN can be so positive for some tumors. LDN and autism is a pretty interesting combination. Dr. Brian Udell is a neurologist in Florida. He calls himself the autism doctor, and you can find him at theautismdoctor.com. He has seen about a 45% improvement in many of his autism patients, even profoundly autistic patients. But he does state that a lot of that is really understanding which patients may respond the best with that. So he knows that that's not going to be the case for many of these kids and adults. But one of the other things that he really brought to the forefront is the really need for us to impress upon pretty much all of us that gluten and gliadin, the other protein in wheat, barley and rye as well, as well as dairy and especially American dairy, which has a different casein protein in it than much of European dairy. But both of these products have to be removed to have really good success, especially with autism, but with many other conditions as well. The problem here is gluten and gliadin have morphine-like substances, just like dairy has a morphine-like substance. We call these gluteomorphins and caseomorphins, and they act exactly like narcotics do on these cell receptors. So when we eat gluten, when we eat dairy, for many of us, we get a response, sometimes a euphoric response, a pleasure response. Though what's really happening is we are very addicted to these, these compounds. And so when we remove them from our diet, regrettably, we may have withdrawal symptoms. 
So many people will say, hey, I went on a gluten-free diet for the first week. I just felt like I had the flu or something. And they do call that a gluten withdrawal flu because some patients may feel very achy. They may feel swollen. They may feel very fatigued and tired. They may actually have headaches and symptoms of um, kind of a flu-like virus, viral syndrome uh, with a low-grade fever. This is all withdrawal syndrome symptoms and really need to work past that to get to our improvement. LDN and female infertility is pretty interesting. There's a general practitioner in Ireland named Phil Boyle, and he's been working with infertility patients for almost 20 years now and has been using LDN as part of his protocol. He uses this to treat clinical endorphin deficiency, which he feels is pretty prevalent in our PMS patients, polycystic ovarian syndrome patients, women with endometriosis, fatigue, low mood, anxiety, poor sleep, family history of autoimmune conditions. So he will offer LDN to roughly 50% of his infertility patients with excellent success. He's also gleaned out that LDN is quite safe to take throughout a pregnancy and even through breastfeeding. So what do you think? Maybe LDN is a miracle drug. It certainly seems to be in so many arenas and certainly something that many of us may want to try to see if it's helpful for us. What are the options for dispensing this medication? So as I mentioned earlier, LDN comes commercially available in a 50 milligram tablet. And I do know through some social media websites and platforms that there are people out there that are actually taking a 50 milligram pill, crushing it up, dissolving it in distilled water or filtered water, drawing up enough to make a 1.5 to 4.5 milligram dose. I don't actually endorse this. This may be a little less expensive way for some people, but it's not very accurate. It's a very bitter tasting medication. So I don't think that's really sustainable long-term and it's easily compounded through a compounding pharmacy. So a compounding pharmacy is a full FDA approved pharmacy. They frequently will have some commercially available products as well, but they do specialize in making capsules and tablets and other forms to get specialized medicines to patients, but also to make them without additional fillers and colors, some of the allergens that are found in some medications. So compounding this is really effective and actually very inexpensive. Traditionally, I order oral tablets. I like a three milligram tablet so that my patients can split it in half. They can take a full one for three milligrams. They could take one and a half for one for a 4.5 milligram dose. And then once they're at the dose that they're at, then I can always refill that for a specific tablet at 4.5 milligrams or whatever their dose is. These are really pretty inexpensive, relatively speaking, and especially compared to so many traditional medications, but not uncommon to have these really come down to roughly $45 to $50 for a 90-day supply of these. So very cost-effective. Compounding pharmacies can make this into a liquid suspension for sublingual application, and this may be better for people that are not easily swallowing some of our autistic kids. However, it is a bitter taste, so sometimes that's not that palatable for people, and that will be more expensive. Probably a cream is the best option for most kids. They can fall asleep. Mom or dad can just rub that onto their skin. They can get the medication. These doses are based on weights, and these can be a little more expensive as well. As I mentioned, we can use these on animals. Their dosing is quite different. That is usually depending on the, the animal in a liquid or a pill form based upon weight like children. And interestingly for animals, it's a twice daily dosing because they metabolize this medication differently than adults. So how safe is LDN? 
Well, the FDA approves it for 50 to 150 milligram doses, and we're taking it at a much, much lower dose than that. So probably a very high safety profile. We do know that there's a little concern about liver function being affected, but this is really at 100 to 300 milligram doses, and there is no need to measure liver function testing with low-dose naltrexone. It is contraindicated with opioids and narcotics, and some individuals will be more sensitive to alcohol when they take LDN. So that is just something that each person is going to have to check out, but it's not contraindicated with it. Tramadol is a non-narcotic pain medication, and many patients can tolerate taking tramadol when they do take their LDN. We just ask don't take that at the same time of night. So take your tramadol a couple hours differently than you take your LDN. So really a very low side effect profile, which adds to its safety. Side effects that are typical with low-dose naltrexone but are almost always transient is insomnia or disrupted sleep, vivid dreams or disturbing dreams. These can be, again, very uncomfortable, but are usually transient for, during the first couple of weeks of starting low-dose naltrexone. There can be a pretty rapid drop in thyroid antibodies when we start LDN for a Hashimoto's patient. So I do, depending on where those levels are, they're pretty low level already. I'm not going to be as worried about a precipitous drop, but if they're up around 1,000 or higher, I may want to check those at about six weeks. And I always instruct my patients to adjust the medication if they start to feel that they're having symptoms of over-medication as those antibodies reduce. Some people will complain of a headache, but this is usually only during the initial phase of getting started with LDN. There are definitely other side effects that will be listed somewhere, but they become so minimal that they are very uh, rare to find. So if narcotics are needed when you're taking low-dose naltrexone, you really don't need to wean off this medication. You can just stop it about three to seven days prior to any anesthesia with surgery or starting nar narcotics for a pain need, and then restart after you're done with that narcotic and get back for most of us on the same dose that you were taking. It's not usually necessary to titrate that dose back up. LDN and alcohol, it is used in higher doses as an alcohol deterrent, but most people can tolerate some casual or social drinking when they are taking low-dose naltrexone. If you are heavily drinking at some point, it's okay to skip a dose. Don't worry about that, but see what you can tolerate and then adjust your drinking accordingly. I think it's important to have some good, solid, reasonable expectations when you start a medication like low-dose naltrexone. I've had a couple of patients that have had really great success right away, and specifically two patients with irritable bowel syndrome that both had diarrhea. One of them had huge resolution within three days and it has never come back with starting her low-dose naltrexone, and that was at the 1.5 milligram dose. She now takes three milligrams at night. The other took about two weeks to have a resolution of his IBS symptoms, but both of those have remained with normal bowel habits since that time. Other people may have a little longer time to have some positive results. So I usually ask patients, hey, can you give this at least a good three months before you make a decision if this is beneficial for you? Certainly, if they're having adverse reactions, then we may need to adjust the dose or actually see if taking it in the morning is a little better to offset insomnia or vivid dreams. And then what we're really looking for is looking to slow or halt the progression of these conditions. These are not always cures, but Frequently with good dietary choices, environmental toxin removal, that includes mold toxicity that could be in the house, getting better mind, body, spirit connections with your relationships and how you handle stress. Frequently, we can really offset a lot of these conditions and make them so in remission that that patient is really not 
deemed to be ill with these anymore. But we're really looking to decrease pain, increase function, and have a better tolerance to our symptoms, the pain, or even the tumor growth as we move forward. So why doesn't your doctor know about this? You know, LDN, as I mentioned, is a compounded medication. Many doctors are not familiar or do not trust compounded pharmacies. It's a generic medication, so there's really no money to be made in this unless they can pair it with something else and sell it as a brand name medication. It's rather inexpensive, especially compared to a lot of the immune modulating or suppressing medications that are now currently used for autoimmune conditions and for cancer. Because of all these reasons, it's not advertised. So there's no drug reps that are coming to the offices for doctors to learn about this or promote the product. It's not promoted at CME conferences. Most of our continuing medical education conferences are actually underwritten by big pharma. So something like low-dose naltrexone probably wouldn't come up in most of those lectures. And then frequently doctors consider this alternative medicine or really just utilized for drug addiction only. So it's really something that most of our doctors are not familiar with, except in that drug addiction arena. But now you know, so you can continue to get more information. I mentioned the LDN Research Trust. They do have a great website, ldnresearchtrust.org. ldnscience.org is also another great reference that has a little more of the scientific studies listed there. There are a few LDN social media pages. I'm always cautious, but I like to observe these to see what other people are talking about. And they can give you some little nuances into what people have experienced on their own with LDN and their conditions. But also you can always also make an appointment with us. I'd love to see you to talk more about LDN to see if that's something that might be helpful for you on your health journey and help you learn more about this novel medication. I always like to remind people, if you're really interested in building a better body, you get to do that every day. Please do this by your dietary choices, eliminating those foods that are really harmful for us, but also really adding in more nutrient-dense foods so that your body has some good building tools to build a better body. But LDN may be an option for many of us as well, and we'd love to see you at Asana Health and Wellness if you feel that we could be helpful for you. Thanks so much. I hope everybody enjoys this and learns a little bit, and we look forward to seeing you in the future. Thanks. The Sauna Health and Wellness Podcast is brought to you by Atagi Plastic Surgery and Atagi Skin Aesthetics. Check us out at atagimd.com. A-T-A-G-I-M-D.com. We offer plastic surgery, skin aesthetics, non-surgical treatments, and hormone therapy. Some of the many things we offer include Botox, dermal fillers, Exilis skin tightening, Kybella, skin aesthetics, all therapy, vanquish fat reduction, PRP hair restoration, PRP breast lift, and hormone health. Follow us on our website at atagimd.com to learn about all of our specials and events each month. Some of our specials include monthly discounts off products and services or wrinkle-free Wednesdays. Check us out at atagimd.com.